Hi, this is Bill Johnson from Bethel Church here in Redding, California. In August is one of the most amazing events, I think, in church history. I really do. It's a gathering of believers from all over the world, diverse denominational backgrounds, just honor Jesus, and to get people commissioned into the Great Commission. The time is now. The event is called A Change, and it's in Lisbon, Portugal, and it's August 4th. I'm with my good friend Lou Engel here in the International House of Prayer right here in Kansas City. And we want to tell you about a remarkable prophetic scenario about a stadium event in Lisbon. It's called The Change. And The Change has about four or five real points of focus in it. Number one, John 17, the family connection. Number two, evangelism. Number three, people being touched and filled with the Spirit. Number four, getting a heart and vision for the poor. And number five, this decade of evangelism. So if you've got a friend that's from a different stream in the body of Christ, bring them and get the John 17 vision. If you've got a friend that doesn't know the Lord, bring them, they might get saved. If you've got a friend who's not touched by the Holy Spirit but hungry, bring them. You've got a friend that's compassionate but doesn't have direction. Bring them, they'll get a vision for, for the poor. You know, Mike, this is so extraordinary. The church is uniting like never before. And in Revel Revelations 12, when that happens, you hear a shout in heaven, now salvation, now the kingdom. This is that. The change in Lisbon, August 4th. Hey friends, Jonathan Rumi here. Guess what? I'm going to World Youth Day. It'll be my first time. I'm so excited. I'm going to do a talk more details to follow. I hope you can come with us. I hope you can follow along with us. Uh, but if you can't, or you're not gonna be there, pray with me on how. See you there. This is something that we haven't seen at this level before. And we're having Christians come to one city, one nation that took the gospel to the whole world. They're coming back to this nation and this city, and they're working together to evangelize, to preach the gospel. I mean, this is epic. And Amazing. Uh, who would want to miss that meeting? I don't want to miss that meeting. I'm going to be there. On August 2nd through 5th of this year, 2023, an event is being held in Lisbon, Portugal, called The Change. And according to the founder of The Change, Rodriguez Pereira, it is an evangelization event where all denominations from all Christian spectrums will come together to celebrate Jesus, demonstrating John 17 to those who don't know Jesus, so that they would see a relationship of love, friendship, and compassion. Pereira goes on to say that bringing these denominations together fulfills Matthew 28 in bringing the good news of salvation and the love of Jesus to those who do not know him. Now, I'm going to share with you today some things that are found on the website called thechangeisborn.com and why I'm talking about this. You just heard some clips from different leaders that you probably recognized their voices. The first one you heard was Bill Johnson, who is endorsing the change. In fact, a few months ago, uh, Pereira was at Bethel Redding and sharing about the change and the launch of it. And Bill Johnson was in attendance there when he did it. The second clip you heard was from Mike Bickle and Lou Engel, who are also endorsing and supporting this event in Portugal. The third voice that you heard was Jonathan Rumi. He is also going to be attending this event and speaking, sharing his testimony. And the last voice you heard was Stacy Campbell. Stacy Campbell is a self-professing prophet, and she too is going to be part of this event. Now, you may or may not have heard about this event. 
and you may understand why I'm talking about this today and why there is concern surrounding it and the problem with it and it not actually agreeing with scripture of what they're trying to do. We're going to get into that today. And we're also going to talk about another event in the same city that is coinciding with the change and why this matters. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Six Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Six Scribe. I want to play for you a clip from Instagram off Rodriguez Pereira's Instagram account. And this was from June 25th when this was posted. This was a prophetic word spoken over Rodriguez by Cindy Jacobs. Something supernatural is happening at this moment. Nesse, algo sobrenatural está acontecendo nesse momento. And you're going to take him to Portugal. E você vai levar para Portugal. And the Lord says the reformation is alive in Portugal. E Deus diz a reforma está viva em Portugal. And the Lord says. E o Senhor diz. There's going to be historic revival. Vai ter avivamentos históricos. But the Lord says. Mas o Senhor diz. It's not ending with revival. Não acaba com avivamento. There is a whole reformation. Tem toda uma reforma. That is going to take place in Portugal. Que vai acontecer em Portugal. And some people have said. E algumas pessoas disseram. Oh, Portugal is too hard. Ah, Portugal é difícil demais. But the Lord says. Mas o Senhor diz. Portugal is mine. Portugal é minha. And I am raising up leaders. E eu estou levantando líderes. For Portugal. Para Portugal. That are going to be transformers. Que vão ser transformadores. And the Lord says. E o Senhor diz. Some are just in high school. Alguns estão ainda no ensino médio. They're 15, they're 16. Eles têm 15, 16 they're anos. They're so young. Eles são tão novos. They're 12 years old. They're 13 years old. Eles têm 12, 13 anos. But I'm going to awaken their soul. Mas eu vou despertar a alma deles. And when I do this. E quando eu fizer isso. No man will stop the revival I will bring. Nenhum homem vai parar o avivamento que eu vou trazer. Vamos lá, vamos aplaudir. I came across this prophetic word while I was doing some research on the change, and I actually found this on the change's Instagram account, not Rodriguez's personal Instagram account. But I found this on here, and I thought it was pertinent because of the fact of the leaders that are involved in this, as you are going to see here in just a moment. Now, as I said earlier, the change is an event that is planned for this week. Beginning tomorrow, they're going to do um, live streaming and virtual teachings. And at the end of the week, they're going to have an in-stadium gathering. Now, why am I talking about this? Well, I, I don't want to give too much away. I want to uh, just present the facts to you, really. This is real. This is more of a presenting the facts about this and, then, and basically for us to be aware of what's going on and to be praying and to also be standing for the truth of the word because there is a mixture going on here. I had a brother in Christ reach out to me that's actually from Portugal. He lives in Portugal and he told me about this event and I had other uh, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ shared this uh these these things online and so I knew this was going on and then when this brother reached out to me I thought you know this might be a good topic to cover because it is also related to the new apostolic reformation so with that let's take a look at the website here on the change lisbon.com I think I said the change is born before <laughs> so excuse my inability to read <laughs> 
but thechangelisbon.com. And so here's some of the information I think is good to be aware of that's on this website. So when you go on it, they immediately start with a phrase of join us for a historic event in church history. The change challenge, uh, which is what they're calling it. If you see it on social media, there's a the three day change challenge. It begins tomorrow, August 2nd. The change challenge and stadium event is an in-person and virtual gathering of the body of Christ as a direct response to Jesus's prayer for unity in John 17. Now we're going to look at John 17 and the verses that they quote on this website, and we're going to see if this applies to what they're wanting to to see happen in this event. Now, I want to read to you from a post from Bill Johnson on July 24th, and he has a picture with it that shows the change, and it also shows a logo for the World Youth Day on it. I found interesting up at the top, and we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about what the logo means because there's a meeting held every three years. It's a World Youth Day, and this year they're having it in Portugal, as I just said, but they create a logo for every time that they meet every three years, and that logo has a significant symbolic meaning to it, each little part. Now, Bill Johnson posted July 24th with this caption, as I'll read some of this to you, and and on the YouTube channel, you will see this visual on the video, but it says, of the $1 million needed for this event, $800,000 has already been raised, $200,000 more is needed. It is an unprecedented opportunity for Protestants and Catholics to work together in evangelism. Uh, And then he shares the website, thechangelisbon.com. And on this visual, on this image that he has posted with this on July 24th, It says, join us for this transformative worship and evangelization event where we, Catholics and Protestants together, will ignite the flame of faith, unite the body of Christ, and bring the message of the gospel to every person. Don't miss this opportunity to be a part of the change. Underneath there, they have a list of people that will be worshiping with them in this stadium. They have a picture of the stadium as well that's located in in Lisbon, Portugal. And some of the names are people such as Israel Houghton. Uh, You're going to see Rodriguez Pereira, who is the founder of The Change, Cheris International. I will talk about them in just a minute. Stacy and Wesley Campbell, Jonathan Rumi from The Chosen, Heidi Baker from Iris Global, Patricia King, and many more. Also will be included as Mike Bickle and Lou Engel and Bill Johnson, to my understanding. Now, as we go on, it talks about here that Friday, August 4th is where they're going to meet in the Stadium of Light in Portugal and the times given. And they encourage people to be part of the transformative event. And they also leave information on how to uh, support it financially. On the website for the change, uh, Lisbon.com, at the very bottom of the website, I found this that says this event is being organized by Rodriguez Pereira Association and Cheris, Catholic Charismatic International Service. Again, I'm going to talk about that in just a minute because I found some interesting things about that. So let me share some things uh, also from this website that you will find on here, some quotes from well-known people that uh, seemingly are involved in the, uh, in the New Apostolic Reformation or have affiliations with it, uh, with, with leaders in it, uh, the hyper-charismatic movement. Mike Bickle is quoted on this website uh, as saying this about the change. Quote, the Lord is challenging us to fellowship and find each other without bringing all the other dimensions from all the different heritages. There's been such a long-term 500 years hostility between Protestants and Catholics with so many subplots and so many murderous, terrible things happen and false ideas and false doctrines promoted. So today, God is breathing on born-again believers from all different backgrounds. It's a unique time in history. Lovers of Jesus have got to hang on to each other. We've got to go forward together with humility without giving up anything that's precious and true about Jesus and the Word of God, end quote. 
Lou Engle is quoted on the Changes website as saying this, I believe we are in a hinge of history moment that we are in a change moment. I was praying and saying, God, give me a dream that gives me revelations on how to enter the harvest of this new youth movement. And I kept seeing two words, Delta factor. Delta is the Greek symbol for the word change. What if this movement is the change factor for the greatest million soul harvest? It is my faith and it is my belief that the day will come when Catholics and Protestants will take communion together. They'll come to the table of the Lord and the blood of the lamb will tear down the accuser of the brethren, like Mike said, the wall of hostility. And then there will be a shout in heaven. Now salvation and the kingdom has come, which he said that at the beginning. And also too, I will put a link in the description below. But if you listen to the podcast I did a while back about the the communion revival that Lou Engel was heading up and he had Catholics there to receiving communion. If you if you want to look into that and listen to it, feel free to listen to that because I did an episode on that. Patricia King was quoted on here as well. I wanted to read one more quote from this website regarding the changelisbon.com. And Patricia King was quoted as saying this, This is a historical event where portals of glory are going to open up for the world of evangelization and harvest it. I see a heavenly portal opening for God's change, His transformation, His reformation, His harvest, where light can penetrate darkness. This is an Isaiah 60 moment. It is an invitation to every believer worldwide because of the technology that we have today. So I want you to be involved with the change challenge. Now, the Change Challenge, what little bit I've, I've read about that, they were actually going to do, uh, you, you could sign up for it by email, and then you could be, be part of a Facebook group, and in there you would have different teachings and such from different leaders and learn about worship and, and all these things with the change. Now, I don't know what that involves because it starts tomorrow, so this recording is being done on August 1st. I have no idea what, what those teachings and what those things entail. But as you can see, the gist of this is that it's a, it's a unification uh, based on their understanding and their interpretation of John 17, they're appropriating John 17 to the unification of Protestants and Catholics coming together as one to worship God. And they're calling this an evangelization event. Now, the change challenge that I've seen multiple things on it on social media, of course, because where I've looked into this, the algorithm's picking it up and 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 sharing things on there for me. But the, the change challenge is being hosted by Pedro Adeo. He is an eight-figure kingdom entrepreneur. This is what it says on their website, on the kingdom on the changelisbon.com. He is the founder of the 100X Academy, and he is the number one go-to marketing industry expert on challenges. And it says on here about the change that church leaders and clergy across continents and denominations agree the change Lisbon may be the most important event in modern church history. I always find it interesting when people in this particular movement, when they do different things, whether it's deliverance ministry or such, it's always historic. Uh, I noticed that when with the deliverance ministry that they keep talking about their films or that they're putting out, which apparently that's a big thing now. That's a trend. So all of them are starting to put that out of their own films and and market themselves even more because that's on a new stream of income. So I, I'm and I'm I'm sorry to say it that way, but that's what it is. It's just a lucrative type thing. They found a new stream of income, and so that's what they're doing. Let's talk a little bit about Rodriguez Pereira. Now, there was one thing that was not found on there, but I did find it on his ministry website. So I wanted to tag that on to let you know what what also he's affiliated with. So he is the founder of The Change. He is also the director of the European Supernatural School. He is a Kingdom Business Center in Portugal House of Prayer. He's also an advisor for Europe Shall Be Saved, Portugal, and International Healing Ministries, Portugal. He's also a builder for Bethel Leaders Network. 
you kind of see here uh, the gist of what is going on with the, with this and, and what they're wanting to do. And again, the, the only way to really say this is that there is this ecumenical push here to see Catholics and Protestants come together. And there's even some people, I'm not saying they are like this, but there are some people that want to see all walks of faith come together under the uh, umbrella of the name of Jesus. Now, I did mention John 17 just a few minutes ago, and I want to reference to you the verses that they're talking about so we can look at those verses and even John 17 itself near the end. But on the changechallenge.com, the verses they focus on for this event is John 17 verses 20 through 23, which say, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The other thing I want to bring up, too, is actually on thechangelisbon.com. Go back there for just a moment. They list out the different things of how the change is going to be conducted and, and why. And it says there is an unprecedented opportunity for the church to gather to imagine what can be done by working together for world evangelization. On August 1st to 6th, 2023, 1.5 million youth and young adults, mostly Gen Z, will descend on Lisbon, Portugal for World Catholic Youth Days. In the middle of this event, believers of all denominations are assembling to fulfill Jesus' great commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, by worshiping Jesus together, preaching the good news of salvation to a new generation, praying for the filling of the Holy Spirit, focusing the next generation on the largest demographic in the world, millions of children at risk, launching a decade of evangelism by missionary disciples committing to obeying the great commission together. We can imagine a world where believers of all denominations answer Jesus' prayer in John 17, where every person has a clear understanding of the good news of Jesus' salvation. Whereas Jesus' prayer is answered, millions of missionary disciples will fulfill the Great Commission before the 2,000-year anniversary of Jesus' command to go into all the world. What will it take for this to happen? It will take the change. Come to Lisbon, Portugal, and join the tens of thousands of believers who are committed to the change. There's questions that I do have, and I don't know if you have these questions, but I do when I'm reading through this because... When they're, they're mentioning on this very website, on thechangelisbon.com, about the World Catholic Youth Days, they're partnering with Cheris International. And I'll talk about that and even what their logo means, because their logo has a meaning to it. But nevertheless, you're having a partnership of Protestants and Catholics. And some people may not see the problem with that, but it's not the same gospel. And so the question could be posed, is there not a huge mission field in the Roman Catholic Church? Should those that are Protestants not be ministering the gospel and calling those in the Roman Catholic Church to, to salvation in Christ alone, and not just salvation plus good works, should they not be evangelizing the Roman Catholics? But instead, this is a unification under the verses of John 17, 20 through 23 of Catholics and Protestants, and the change is being structured around this World Youth Days and basically taking advantage of that being there so that way they can partner with that event. And if that event has nothing to do with the change, then why would they put the logo for World Youth Day on the image that Bill Johnson shared on his Facebook page? 
So it is significant to talk about that. But before we do that, I want to share with you some information about Cheris International. Now, Cheris International, according to their website, the initial idea came to be from Pope uh, Francis in 2017. And on the Feast of Pentecost of 2019 on their website, it says Cheris was officially started uh, with the presence and words of the Holy Father, Pope Francis, and another cardinal. And this is what they said on this occasion. Pope Francis stated this, you asked me to tell you what the Pope and the church expect from this new service. They're saying it's a service, not a government, uh, Cheris is. And it's focusing on the charismatic renewal movement. Cheris, and from the entire charismatic renewal, what does the Pope expect from you? I expect this movement to share baptism and the Holy Spirit with everyone in the church. It is the grace you have received. Share it. Don't keep it to yourselves. To serve the unity of the body of Christ, the church, the community of believers in Jesus Christ. This is very important, for the Holy Spirit creates unity in the church, but also diversity. The personality of the Holy Spirit is interesting. With the charisms, he creates the greatest diversity, but then he harmonizes the charisms in unity. St. Basil says that the Holy Spirit is harmony. He creates harmony. Harmony in the Spirit and harmony among us. And lastly, Pope Francis said, to serve the poor and those in greatest need, physical or spiritual. This does not mean, as some might think, that suddenly the renewal has become communist. No, it has become evangelical, for this is in the gospel. So I'm not going to go in detail about the charismatic renewal. I would encourage you, if you're interested in just learning about the history of it, it might be good to, to know what, what it has to do with. The Charismatics acknowledging that the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, was coming to the Roman Catholics with speaking in tongues and things that were going on. You'll see here that Charis was started under this. Now, if you see the logo for this, and if you look up to see what this logo means, because logos have meanings to, to these organizations like this, and a lot of times logos do have meanings to them. But when you look at this for Charis, you see that there is a flame, there is... Um, on the right-hand side of it, there is a blue line, almost like a crescent type, and there's a cross inside of it. And then there is a yellow, red, and blue, it looks like uh, three people with their hands raised. And so on Cheris's website, on Cheris International, it says, what does the Cheris logo mean? So I'm just going to share this with you. And you may be wondering, why are you sharing this information? Well, you're going to see why. The, p the puzzle pieces are coming together. This is what their logo means. So the semi-blue circle on the right represents both the world and the mantle of Mary who protects us. Planted in the heart of the world is the tree of the cross that saves us. The flame is that of the Holy Spirit who is to set fire to the world by the baptism and the spirit that we have received. We are represented above the flame in an act of praise animated by the flame of different colors indicating the universality of cultures and languages that are representative of the charismatic renewal spread throughout the world. So just as a reminder, I'm bringing Cheris International up because they are one of the supporters or endorsers for the change.com, the change Lisbon, which was founded by Rodriguez Ferreira, who is affiliated with Bethel Leaders Network and has a house of prayer and a super school of supernatural ministry and is affiliated with the Europe shall be saved. Uh, that's aff affiliated with Ben Fitzgerald and other people that are linked in this type of movement. So you can kind of see how the puzzle pieces are fitting together in that aspect. But also, too, on the flip side, with Cheris International 
partnering up with the change, we now have the Roman Catholic aspect of it, the charismatic renewal coming in. And what was really concerning was reading the logo of this and immediately it jumped out about Mary's mantle. And that was one of the things that this brother in Christ had mentioned, that he was concerned of the fact that, yes, there is talk of evangelization that's wanting to take place, but the gospel is being corrupted because it's not the same gospel that's being believed by Roman Catholics and, and Protestants. And I'm going to share some links below uh, to a couple of interviews that Mike Gendron did, one with Costi Hinn and one with Justin Peters that I think you might find helpful. And it, it may help to uh, clarify some objections, maybe on in the interview with Justin Peters, some objections that Roman Catholics have when there's uh, pushback on as far as saying the Roman Catholics do not believe the true gospel according to scripture, and this is why, and the practices that take place. I found that very insightful. And then Costi Hinn did several interviews with Mike Gendron, but this is one I haven't shared. And uh, Mike Gendron goes into some, some different things and talking about his testimony more and how God dealt with him through the scriptures and sh- and bringing him to saving faith in Christ by the truth of the word of God. So I would encourage you to listen to those. At any rate, uh, let's get back to this topic at hand. And one last thing I wanted to mention about the change before I switch gears to the World Youth Day is Rodriguez Pereira mentioned in an interview that he did about this fairly recently that 70% of this event at the stadium of the change is going to be centered on music. Another worship leader there will be Taya, who is affiliated with Hillsong. So she's going to be there. There's several worship leaders. Uh, some of them, I think, are local to Portugal. But he also, his his native language is, is Portuguese. And so this interview was done in Portuguese. So that's why I'm not sharing it, because a lot of my listeners probably can't understand Portuguese. At any rate, he said that 70% of this event will be music-based. There will be a gospel message presented, Speakers, Jonathan Rumi, again, is going to be there presenting. Uh, And I know that many people have seen him on The Chosen. Jonathan Rumi is a devout Roman Catholic. So if you're familiar with any of his content on his Instagram page, there may be a couple of things I'll share on the YouTube video on pictures. But he's a devout Catholic. Uh, He prays with the rosary. He encourages others who are even not Roman Catholic to pray with the rosary. He also has been on record of going to the grave of uh, uh, Lonnie Frisbee when he was trying to figure out if he was going to be in the Jesus Movement movie. He talks about talking to Lonnie Frisbee and something that happened with bells ringing outside to give him a sign if he was supposed to be in the movie. He has talked about going and has it on his Instagram account, going to the... Um, the body of uh, St. Padre Peo, and, and, and he talks about interacting with Padre Peo, who is dead. I mean, there's lots of things that Jonathan Rumi has, has stated that are very problematic. And so I'm not sure what his testimony is. That he needs to hear the gospel. <laughs> that, that's what he needs to hear because the practices that he's doing are not lining up with the word of God. Um, necromancy doesn't line up with the word of God. We don't pray to Mary. We're, we're not to put our trust in idols. We're not to do any of these things. There's only one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. And we know that scripture tells us this. So th- there's just things that are going on that I'm, I, I again, we're, we're seeing this, this call for unity, but it's not a true unity uh, because we don't, we don't agree on the gospel. So with that, I want to switch gears to World Youth Day. And again, the change is 
partnering with this in, in some way, shape or fashion. They're acknowledging and approving of this because of it being on their visual aids that they're using, their, their images they're using on social media and such. What is World Youth Day? Because I, I didn't, I wasn't aware of it until all of this, until researching this. But World Youth Day began in 1985 by Pope John Paul II. He is the one that wanted to institute it. In 1986, uh, the first World Youth Day was held, and it is now a worldwide encounter with the Pope. So when it's held every three years, it changes venues every three years. So this year is in Portugal. I think they were off by maybe four years now because of the pandemic. Um, I want to say the last one was in 2019. But at any rate, uh, the one this year is in Portugal. And it's, it's an, it says on the World Youth Day website, it is an encounter with the Pope celebrated about every three years in a different country. They do have a current logo, which is my understanding they changed the logo. The logo they now have was not the original logo. So when you go on their website on uh, www.lisboa23.org and look at the logo, the logo of the World Youth Day Lisbon 2023, inspired by the theme, Mary arose and went with haste, Luke 139. And the, the theme, to my understanding, is chosen by the Pope every at every time. He's the one that chooses the theme. And so he chose the theme, Mary arose and went with haste. The logo is in the colors of green, red, and white, which is symbolic of the Portuguese flag. Uh, there's a big cross, and it says, it says the cross is the main element. This is the cross by a path where the Holy Spirit arises. Um, it is an invitation for the young people so they do not stand still, and asking them to be the main characters in building a fairer and more fraternal world. And this was stated according to the young Portuguese designer who uh, created this particular design. As you go down the page, it, it says what each area represents. So the cross, it says the Christian cross is the sign of the infinitive love of God for humankind. It is the main element from which everything is born. There is a, a white path in the middle of the cross. It says the passage of the visitation is the theme of the World Youth Day Lisbon 2023. And it reveals to us that Mary was ready to live a according to God's will, being available to serve Elizabeth. This movement underlines the, the invitation made to the young people to renew their inner strength, their dreams, their enthusiasm, the hope, and the gratitude. And they cite Christus Vivit 20 as, as for that. That's an actual quote they're taking for the inner strength, dreams, enthusiasm, hope, and gratitude. And they go on to say about this path, next to the path, there is also a shape that evokes the Holy Spirit. There is a rosary presented in this World Youth Day. It's in red beads. And it says, the choice of the rosary celebrates the spirituality of the Portuguese people in their devotion to Our Lady of Fatima. This is placed on the path to recall the pilgrimage experience, which is so remarkable in Portugal. We're going to get to that in just a minute. There's actually a, a video clip I'm going to play for you uh, from 2017 of Pope Francis going to pray at uh, the area of the where they do the a prayer to the Lady of Fatima, and he went there in 2017 as the hundredth anniversary of the appearance of the apparition of the Lady Fatima. And I want you to hear what he says. Uh, Mary is also presented in this logo. It says Mary is depicted as a young girl to represent the figure of the Gospel of Saint Luke, uh, Luke 1:39, and to enable a greater identification with the youth. The drawing expresses the juvenility of her age, a characteristic of someone who was not a mother yet, but who is carrying the light of the world inside her. This figure has a slight inclination to show the compelled attitude of the Virgin Mary. So there seems to be a, a good focus on Mary, doesn't there? 
And we're going to talk about that. And while we're on the website for the World Youth Day logo, I happened to notice that there were some tabs that you could download a pilgrim's guide and a prayer book that they had put together. And I'm not going to go through the entire thing because they're both very fairly lengthy, but there were some things in here that really raised some red flags, major red flags. And so I wanted to share some of those things with you. Now, at the beginning now, at the beginning of the prayer book, what they have is an index. And so the, the index contains things such as um, the introduction about the World Youth Day there in Lisbon, uh, the theme, the official prayer, the official theme song, the patrons. There's 13 patrons that they honor in this event, uh, the spirituality itinerary, daily prayers that they have listed, daily readings, daily challenges, official celebrations such as the opening mass, a welcome ceremony, the way of the cross. I want to touch on a few things of the way of the cross, the vigil adoration and the missioning mass, and a reconciliation itinerary that encompasses ready, believe, give thanks, and rise up. There's an examination of conscience, praying the vocation, the exposition of the most holy sacrament, the Angelus, the holy rosary, which consists of the glorious mysteries, the joyful mysteries, the sorrowful mysteries, and the luminous mysteries, and then finally the homecoming. Again, the event begins with a mass and the ends with a missional mass. So when you're looking through this prayer book, for example, here is the official prayer uh, for this event. Our Lady of the Visitation, you who arose and went with haste into the hill country to meet Elizabeth, lead us also to encounter all those who await us to deliver them the living gospel, Jesus Christ, your Son and our Lord. We too will go in haste without distraction or delay, but with readiness and joy. We will go with peace because those who bring Christ bring peace and well-being comes from being generous and loving in our deeds. Our Lady of the Visitation, through your inspiration, this World Youth Day will be a shared celebration of Christ whom we bring to others just as you did. Please make this time of testimony and sharing of fraternity and thanksgiving with each of us looking for opportunities to give to those who are waiting to receive. With you, we will continue on this path of encounter so that our world will join us too in fraternity, justice, and peace. Help us, our Lord of the Visitation, to bring Christ to everyone in obedience to the Father and in the love of the Holy Spirit. As we go on through here, you can see that there are different things about the prayers to the patrons, as I mentioned, and this one caught my eye concerning Pope John Paul II. It said, God, rich in mercy, who placed Pope John Paul II, founder of World Youth Day, at the head of your church. And let me just say that he is not the head of the church. That would be Christ. Grant that instructed by his teachings, we may confidently open our hearts to the saving grace of Christ, the only Savior of the world, who lives and reigns forever and ever. And they end that with an amen. I, I cannot amen either. They uh, continue on with morning, afternoon, and evening prayers for each day. As I said, daily scripture readings, daily challenge, the opening mass, the way of the cross. I wanted to come to this because this was uh, quite alarming as I was reading it. And I'll just share a couple of the things with you. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but there were just things that stood out to me that seemed, uh, first of all, I did not see the gospel. In, in any of this, in the way of the cross. And secondly, it sounded very, at times, very social justice-esque, if you will. Uh, the, the things that were said, um, and, and it was not, again, it was not a gospel message. It was very self-centered. 
and and what was said. So they break it down. They talk about Jesus arose and began on his way. And again, that's playing on the Luke 139 about Mary. And so they said, Mary arose and began on her way. Jesus learned from his mother, even under the weight of the cross. Jesus arose and began on his way. Lord, teach us young people to arise and move forward, even when life is difficult. And what you'll notice throughout this is that they fo- they're they focusing on self, really. They're not focusing on what Christ truly did on the cross. So the first one is Jesus is condemned to death. And so they, they talk about that. Uh, Jesus takes up his cross. Uh, Jesus falls for the first time. And even with that, they, they say, why did you subject yourself? It's too much abandonment, too much loneliness. But they say, all I know is that many young people feel alone, even when they are surrounded by others. That's how they look at that section. And then and then they say, I look at you lying on the ground. I imagine you lifting your head and looking at me. I imagine you saying, I fall so that you might rise up with me. Come stand up and move forward. Let's go together. The next one they come to is Jesus meets his mother. Uh, the next one is Simon of Serene helps Jesus to carry his cross. Veronica wipes the face of Jesus. And then, they, uh, Jesus, and then Jesus falls for the second time and they repeat that again about you know, get get up, we'll move forward, let's go together. The number eight was Jesus meets the women of Jerusalem. And then Jesus falls for the third time. I'm moving through these quickly because there's the ones I want to get to that I I just, all of them were kind of disturbing, but then as you get through them, it, it just seems to get worse. Number 10 was Jesus is stripped of his clothes. And they focus on the fact of of being like a selfie type generation and focusing on image and appearance and artificial posts waiting for likes. But you just stand naked, ashamed of who you are. You live not for your image, but for good. Teach me, Lord. Give me the strength to be different, not to be a slave to my image, but to live according to my conscience. So you can kind of see what I'm talking about there. It seems rather self-centered, self-absorbed. And again, not not focusing on what the gospel meant and not even having the gospel presented. But here's, here's where it started to get a little bit more bothersome reading it. It says, Jesus is nailed to the cross, a nail in each wrist, a third in your feet. Just like that, you were stuck. Still, they shouted to you from below, are you not the son of God? Come down from the cross. But the cross wasn't a situation you just happened to be in. It was the inevitable consequence of not giving up on loving us until the end, a clash between love and the violence of the world. Many people desperately try to escape from inhumane situations. They flee war, hunger, lack of water, and political persecution. Their home ceased to be their shelter and became the likely place of their death. They seek refuge in some other place in the world, which one day they might call home. Stuck to the cross, Lord, give courage to all the young people who have to flee so as to not lose their lives. And to those who live comfortably in their home, give a heart similar to yours. So that that's what they took away from D- Jesus being nailed on the cross. And then... You have Jesus dies on the cross. And so they say, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. You abandon yourself into the arms of the Father. You breathed your last and you died. And with you went all the words you didn't get to say, all the embraces you didn't get to give, all the healing you didn't get to do. It seems like a waste, Lord. How much good could you have done with a few more decades of life? And yet your words were, it is finished. There was nothing left to accomplish because there on the cross, you left us everything we needed so we can be saved. Pure love, even though it is powerless and apparently useless. Nowadays, only the productive 
matter. The elderly don't count. People with disabilities don't count. The unemployed don't count. And the dreamers don't count. Nor do the games of children so often forced to work to earn money or to study more and more so that one day they might be true winners in the job market. However, it is love that saves. Hide me in your loving wounds, Lord. Do, do you see here that there is no gospel in this? But it seems to get worse. Um, and they go on to talk about Jesus is taken down from the cross and given to his mother. And then the last one is Jesus is laid in the tomb. They said the cemetery, the end, when the stone covered the entrance to the tomb, it seemed that everything was definitely over. It seemed, Lord, that you and your way of love had been nothing but an illusion, a deceptive hope in a hypothetical triumph of good over evil. It seemed that everything was over, that we had to be realistic, that the world was really for the clever and not for those who dream of good like you. So often in our lives, there seems to be no future. We can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. We are afraid to look ahead. We can't make decisions. We don't see how the story can go on. All we see are large boulders blocking the front, blocking the path in front of us. This is where we need to hear Mary's voice telling us of ends that are beginnings, the apparent death of a tree in winter when it is just getting ready to flower in spring, of tombs which are gateways to resurrection. They do not mention the resurrection of Christ, by the way, because in the Roman Catholic belief, there is no empty cross. So that was a bit troubling. Uh, and and there's no gospel presentation. It was all just very self-centered, and it's very social justice sounding, uh, very much worldly involved and and uh, worldly absorbed, self-absorbed is what it sounded like. And then when you get over to the Pilgrim's Guide, I mean, they have them some, have some basic things for them about how to get around and and certain certain like basic things. But then they have different things listed in here, such as symbols. Now, there's two symbols that are associated with the World Youth Day. There is the Pilgrim's Cross, and then there is the icon of Lady Salus Populi Romani. And I apologize if I'm not saying that correctly. But these two relics, really, uh, travel around, and they refer to them as if they're living things, really. They say, oh, it has traveled to this area, and it's been all over the world, and it's touched many hearts, and 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 very much it's very much idolatrous is is the presentation so they these symbols accompany the world youth day and that the pilgrim cross and the icon of the lady the symbols are set out on a pilgrimage to proclaim the gospel and to accompany young people and their realities in a particularly special manner again the question that i will ask because of the whole event of the change saying well this is an evangelization event well which gospel is going to be ministered at this event, because this gospel that they're presenting with these relics and the way of the cross and no resurrection, no mention of the biblical gospel in them, no call to repentance, the wrath of God, uh, you need to repent of your sin, turn to Christ to save you by grace alone. There's no mention of that. So this is not the same gospel. This is this is very concerning. And as they went on with this, uh, after talking about the relics, there's different things in here about what's going to go on on each day, just a general summary. And then on page 44 of this pilgrim guide, they have this area called Christian Unity and Interreligious Dialogue. 
And it says under Christian unity, various religious denominations share the same Christian faith. In Jesus, they have their center. In baptism, their initiation. In the Christian Bible, a reference. And in the good news of Jesus, their mission. We also share the same fraternal charity and a common hope often witnessed even to martyrdom. At World Youth Day, Lisbon 2023, there are several places, events, and contacts where you will find signs of this unity. And they have a little place where you can click on to find places and events here. And I'll give you one guess as to what is listed, one of the th- one of the areas that is listed under this tab. The change is listed. So the World Youth Day has affiliated, they are they are acknowledging the change event and they are endorsing it on their website. So wanted to share that with you. So I mentioned about Cheris International, that part of their logo on the right-hand side of it is a blue mantle, and that's, that's Mary's mantle that's covering the earth. And I did some research into this, and I want to share with you uh, some of the things that I found. Uh, one of them is a, is a video clip that I'll share with you about the Mary's mantle. But here are a few things that I found interesting about this particular understanding. On a website of a Roman Catholic church, it said, why is Mary pictured with a blue mantle? So in some of the uh, pictures that you see that people have done of depictions of Mary, that a lot of times she has like a blue mantle on, a blue cloak. And it says in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant was covered in blue fabric for traveling. God's presence would rest on the Ark as a king sits on his throne. When Mary agreed to be the mother of Jesus, uh, she became a living resting place. In art, Mary's blue mantle signals she is the new Ark of the Covenant. Blue also indicates Mary's royal status. Jesus is the king of heaven, making Mary the queen mother. In biblical times, the mother, not the wife of the king, was the queen. She wasn't as powerful as the king, but her intercession with him had significant influence. Mary is not God, but her intercessory prayers for us are powerful because she is Jesus's mother. When we consider that Mary is also our mother by grace, her blue mantle invites us to entrust our concerns to her. Mary leads us directly to him by a sure, safe path. Now, one more website that I found... This was called simplycatholic.com, and it talks about the sacramentals and Mary's mantle. In this article, they talk about the scapular, which is two pieces of cloth connected over the shoulders by strings or cords. And I've seen Jonathan Rumi uh, wear this, for example. I've seen him... uh, talk about this in some of his videos when I've looked at this before, but it said the religious often wear a long one as part of their habit. Lay people began to desire to share in the blessing that Our Lady gave to the Carmelites and wore a smaller scapular under their clothing. There are eight different Marian scapulars, but the brown scapular of Our Lady of Mount Carmel is the most popular and best known. It is a sacramental of the church. And the reason why they created this was because uh, this uh, writer says on July 16th, 1251, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to St. Simon Stock, a Carmelite friar in Aylesford, England. She told him, quote, receive my beloved son, this scapular of thy order. It is the special sign of my favor, which I have obtained for thee and for thy children of Mount Carmel. He who dies clothed with this habit shall be preserved from eternal fire. It is the badge of salvation, a shield in time of danger, and a pledge of special peace and protection. And they continue in this article, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but they view it as a as a protection against eternal 
eternal hell. Like, I just wanted to share this with you uh, as far as what this means for Mary's mantle. Now, there's one video I want to play for you, a clip that tells you a little bit more about Mary's mantle. This was another local church that had created a devotional centered around Mary's mantle. And so you can have a better understanding. And then we're going to go back to World Youth Day. I know we're taking some twists and turns today, but it does all weave together so you can again see why I'm talking about it today how it's related to the hypercharismatic New Apostolic Reformation and why this is of great concern when you're telling Protestants or professing born-again believers that they need to partner up with the Roman Catholic Church, and that's true unity. So let's see what, the, uh, what this leader has to say about Mary's mantle, and then we'll keep continue on. We are gathered here because I'm going to talk about a wonderful devotion, Mary's Mantle Consecration. And I want to explain what that is. Mexico, in Latin America, they would go from home to home to home. In these small villages, they would go and they would do it for 46 days. Why 46 days? Do you know how many stars are on the mantle of Our Lady of Guadalupe? 46 stars. And so every day when they go to these homes, they would pray the rosary, the family would fast, and they would hold a mantle up, and, and once they were finished, they would put a star that that family had made an offering to God. So we can't do that. We can't go to everyone's home for every day for 46 days, but we are a community. So Christine, she took this wonderful, beautiful devotion, and she's modified it so that we can do it. So this kind of gives you an idea of how much they value Mary's mantle. They talk about the Lady uh, Guadalupe. And they're in the background on one of the images, it says that you are, by doing this, you're preparing and, and receiving grace uh, by doing this during the time of Lent and such uh, in, in practicing Mary's mantle of consecration. So with that, uh, I thought it was important to, to stay on the topic of Mary as far as this is concerned, because with the World Youth Day and uh, with the Pope Francis choosing this particular topic, uh, uh, this particular verse of Luke 139, Mary arose and went with haste. I found this article online that was um, from the Vatican, and it says about the message of His Holiness Pope Francis for the World Youth Day of 2022 to 2023, focusing on Luke 139. They mention about, and they mentioned about with Lisbon 2023, with hearts of fire, with God's urgent summons to arise, so they wanted to continue in the direction with this, and they said along the route, we still need to travel before arriving in Lisbon. We will have at our side the Virgin of Nazareth, who immediately after the Annunciation arose and went with haste. Common to these three themes is the word, because they, they talked about in 2020, they back up and talk a little bit about some of the other themes that they had with arising uh, from the Gospel of Luke. And so when they talk about the word arise, they say it is a word that also speaks to us of getting up from our slumber, waking up to the life all around us. In these troubling times when our human family, already tested by the trauma of the pandemic, is racked by the tragedy of war, Mary shows to all of us, and especially to you, young people like herself, the path of proximity and encounter. I hope and I firmly believe that the experience many of you will have in Lisbon next August will present a new beginning for you, the young, and with you for humanity as a whole." 
And they go on in this article to elaborate on the verses of Mary arose and went with haste. They say that the mother of the Lord is a model for young people on the move who refuse to stand in front of a mirror to contemplate themselves or to get caught up in the net. Mary's focus is always directed outwards. She is the woman of Easter in a permanent state of exodus going forth from herself towards that great other who is God and towards others, her brothers and sisters, especially those in greatest need like her cousin Elizabeth. They touch on about how she went with haste and that healthy haste drives us always upwards and towards others. And then a call to be united in Lisbon. And again, it's a focus on Mary. Uh, they're, they're focusing on Mary. This is not a focus on Christ and a call to be like Christ, to, to a call to the the gospel of remembering what we've been saved from and that we've been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, according to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, that we cannot boast in any of these things. There are no works that are going to save us. There's nothing of that in this article. It is a focus on Mary and a a veneration of Mary. And as you're going to hear in a little bit, uh, this is something that Pope Francis consistently does as well. He is going to continue on uh, acknowledging the importance of Mary. Now he will. I know I've heard in other things that he'll say that she's not the uh, not a co-redemptrix and such. But still, the offering of prayers to Mary, and some people may dispute that. But you're going to hear it in just a minute that this is this is done. And so this is one of the things I and I have in front of me the Pope's schedule for Lisbon 2023 of the World Youth Day. And he's going to conduct an opening mass. Again, I would encourage you to listen to the uh, article, listen to the interviews from Mike Gendron. Who's, who was a former Roman Catholic for 31 years, and, and God saved him out of that and showed him the truth, and he is a, a born-again believer, and now his ministry is to help Roman Catholics to come out of the deception. He talks about Mass and what happens, and it is a it is looked upon as an altar. It is a um, propitiatory offering every time to to cleanse and remove the sins to to, to give it as to satisfy the the wrath of God for the sins of that week for Catholics. So there's going to be an opening Mass on August first, actually today on August first, and and on August second, there's the Pope is is traveling to meet with different people and bishops and priests and civil authorities. And there's going to be coverage of World Youth Day on August 3rd. He is going to have a welcome ceremony. He's going to meet with young people, university students. On August 4th, the Pope is going to have a sacrament of confession with children. And he's going to have, uh, there's going to be the Way of the Cross. And on Saturday, August 5th, he is going to have a prayer vigil with Pope. There's going to be a prayer vigil with Pope Francis. And Pope Francis is also going to Fatima. And then he's going to have a, a missioning mass the last day on August 6th. So this mass is not like a normal communion that, that Protestants receive. This is a re-sacrificing, they believe, over and over again of Jesus because there's propitiation that continues to be needed and that you're not guaranteed eternal life in Christ. It, does that sound like the same gospel? That That's a question to ask. So with that, I want to share this video because I mentioned about on Friday that Pope Francis is going to be going to Fatima. And so I found this clip from 2017 that I want to play for you of Pope Francis going to Fatima and to offer a prayer for the sick. And, that, and that's the same thing that he's going to be doing during this event. So let me play that for you right now. Pope Francis will return to Fatima, Portugal, alongside hundreds of thousands of youth. On Saturday, August 5th, as part of his World Youth Day pilgrimage, the Pope will pray the rosary in the chapel of the Shrine of Our Lady of Fatima with young people facing illnesses. 
The Pope visited Fatima in 2017 on the 100th anniversary of the apparitions of the Blessed Virgin. There he delivered a message of peace that has been integral to his pontificate. Now I want to read to you what he stated in Italian as he prayed to the statue that was standing in front of him at Fatima. He said, Hail Queen, Blessed Virgin of Fatima. I implore for world concord among all people. I come as your messenger to wash the feet of all. United with my brothers through you, I consecrate myself to God, Virgin of the Rosary of Fatima. Now, hearing that and knowing what's going to take place with the change and that they're supportive of World Youth Day and they're supportive of Catholics and Protestants coming together, how can Protestants unite under something like this? How can we agree with him going to a statue of Mary and praying to Mary and asking, petitioning her and using her as a mediator? How, how can we be supportive of that? How can we be supportive of those who believe that your works save you and that you're not promised eternal life because if you commit, if you commit a, a specific type of sin, then you'll be su- subject to hell. How can we unite around beliefs such as purgatory in believing? In, and to my knowledge, that's one of the things, too, in, in mass, that they'll have a list of people that they want to pray out of purgatory. How can we be in agreement with things like that? How can we come in agreement when the Council of Trent still stands and that Council of Trent that was established in the 1500s says that anybody who believes that you're saved by grace through faith alone is anathema, that they're damned, that they're cursed? How can we come in agreement? How can we agree when both Gospels are not the same? And there are things that are strictly forbidden in scripture that it would be rebellious against God and sinful and disobedient against God. How can we agree? We can't. So this is not a true unification that would be going on here. This is not true. This is not true unity that would be taking place. This is false unity. And, and this leads to great error. This leads to people believing uh, false doctrine. This believe, this leads people astray when someone believes that Mary provides protection or these sacramental things that you do, this scapular that you wear, that it provides protection from eternal fire, that's idolatry. That's a promotion of idolatry. And that person is not putting their full trust and hope in Christ. They're putting their trust in something they're doing, their works, this, this little thing that's going to protect them. These beads, these rosary beads or this scapular or whatever that they're holding on to with this. This is something that I just say in love is that when, and when it comes to this particular movement that the NAR and the hyper charismatic and these apostles and prophets that are embracing this and they're, they're endorsing it and they're saying, this is okay. This is biblical. God wants us to do this. They're leading people astray with lies because this is not true unity. So those are some things. I'm sure that there were other things that I could have shared today with that. I'm sure that that this is not a thorough investigation into this, but you kind of get the idea of what's going on here, that there's going to be events taking place that, um, and this is considered a pilgrimage by Catholics. When you look at videos online about this, that they consider this a pilgrimage, that they're even going to visit certain places that are are, uh, significant to the Roman Catholic 
uh, belief, such as Fatima, and that the apparition that took place there allegedly 100 years ago. And I would just say this, too, that people that are claiming that Mary came to them and, the, and these other dead saints that came to them, they're being deceived by, by, by things that are demonically inspired. And I don't say that in a mean way. I say that in a very concerned way when people are adopting this. And so for those that are uh, that you know that are in in this type of movement of the hyper charismatic and the NAR, and they're agreeing with this. We need to be willing to talk with them and say, "This is false unity. This is not unity that God uh, ordains in His Word. This is false unity." So let's take a minute just to look at those passages in John seventeen twenty through twenty three uh, briefly, just to see what they have to say in context. So let's read again in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. And I would encourage you to read the whole chapter of John 17. It's, it's a beautiful prayer that the Lord prays. It would be a great Bible study to do on John 17. So I highly encourage you to do that. But verse 20 says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who also believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Now, what I want to share with you is this, a couple of things out of my study Bible and then out of the Matthew Henry commentary before we part ways today. When you look at, for example, verse 22, when it says, the glory which you have given me, in the MacArthur Study Bible, it says, this refers to the believer's participation in all of the attributes and essence of God through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to verse 23, as far as the meaning for the study notes and perfected in unity, uh, says the idea here is that they may be brought together in the same spiritual life around the truth that saves, that prayer was answered by the reality of 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13 and Ephesians 2 verses 14 through 22. When I looked at Matthew Henry's commentary, I found it insightful, and I want to share this with you with regards to what he uh, observed in these verses 20 through 23. And again, commentaries are not the Word of God. It helps us to to get a, a, an understanding of interpretation based on what a biblical scholar is noting in the passages. Verses 20 through 23, Matthew Henry noticed it, noted, noted this, "'Next to their purity, he prays for their unity.'" Who are included in this prayer? Not these only, but for those also who shall believe on me through their word. I pray for them all. Those and those only are interested in the mediation of Christ that believe in him. They that lived then saw and believed, but they in after ages have not seen and yet have believed. It is through the word that souls are brought to believe on Christ. He does not hear pray at a, a venture. Christ knew very well whom he prayed for. Jesus Christ intercedes not only for great and eminent believers, but for the meanest and weakest. The good shepherd has an eye even to the poor of the flock. Jesus Christ and his mediation had an actual regard to those that were yet unborn, the other sheep which he must yet bring. What is intended in this prayer in verse 21, the same was said before in verse 11, that they may be one as we are, and again in verse 22. The heart of Christ, Matthew Henry notes, was much upon this. Let them not be only of one heart, but of one mouth, speaking the same thing. The oneness prayed for in verse 21 respects all believers. It is the prayer of Christ for all that are his, that they may all be one, one in us, 
one as we are one and made perfect in one. As Matthew Henry continues on, he breaks things down as talking about incorporated into one body, that they may be animated by one spirit, and that they may be knit together in the bond of love and charity, all of one heart. He ends that section with saying that which Christ here prays for is that communion of saints, which we profess to believe. But this prayer of Christ will not have its complete answer to all the saints come to heaven for then and not till then they shall be perfect in one. So the question I have, and and he even touches on this is that, you know, believers are not going to all agree as far as their expressions and such of things, but we are to unite around the truth of the word of God and the truth of the gospel. And if we're divided on that and we don't agree that you are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone and what you're saved from and what the gospel actually is, in addition, have these uh, other beliefs that are uh, that are enforced into uh, our belief system that completely disagree with scripture, then we have another gospel. And that other gospel is one that cannot save. In fact, it condemns because preaching another gospel is anathema, essentially. Uh, Galatians talks about this, that Paul, he, he warned the Galatians that if it, an angel were to come to them, or if he even came to them with another gospel, that that person was to be cursed, anathema. In conclusion of this, I know this was really a lot of information to share, and I wanted to share it because I wanted to make you aware of what's going on with, with this. And it's not uncommon. You know, we know, I know back in 2020, before the pandemic happened, that there were a lot of prophetic words um, about stadiums being filled, and, and there's always this drive for that, of to filling these stadiums. You know, there was Azusa now that was several years ago, and, and the call, and the, the send, and, and all these things that are done in order to gather people together. And it's not that it's bad in gathering people together, but when you're gathering people together um, to worship under a guise of false unity, and you're saying you're evangelizing. I don't know what gospel they're going to they're going to minister. And if they view Roman Catholics as believers and not needing to hear the gospel as far as a call to salvation because of what they believe is not matching up with scripture, then then we have false unity going on here. And we're do and it's a great disservice to those that are going and um and doing it under uh, you know and then having an organization that is endorsing the change that is uh supportive of the charismatic renewal uh with Mary's mantle as being fundamental in that belief and then knowing just even a little bit I'm sure I just scratched the surface of of Mary's mantle and utilizing it in such a way that you're you're going and using Mary as a mediator and praying to Mary and asking for her intercession rather than going to Christ and asking for him to help praying before God the Father and knowing who we are in Christ because of the truth of the word of God this is dangerous teaching this is da- these are dangerous practices to embrace and so I wanted to talk about this today to, to bring this to light to some that may not know what's going on and to, to encourage you to share the truth, speak the truth in love. We are told and, and instructed and commanded in the word to speak the truth in love. And when we love people, we love them enough to tell the truth. And this is not true unity that's being promoted in this type of gathering. 
And so the true gospel needs to go forth. And I pray that there would be true believe that there would be true believers that would um, go with the understanding that that the Roman Catholics are a mission field. They are a mission field, and there are even people there that are professing believers, and they may just be professing believers in name only. And they, they've never heard the gospel because of, of the dependency on miracles, signs, and wonders, and the dependency on having an encounter and with, with, with God and, and focusing on having a, a spiritual experience with the Holy Spirit and such. The gospel needs to be ministered, and we cannot be ashamed of the gospel. It is the power unto salvation. It is the power unto salvation. And the greatest miracle that we will ever see in this world is a dead person that's spiritually dead coming to life and being born again by the power of God. And so that comes because of the preaching of the true gospel, which is you don't need Mary. She's not your mediator. She's not your mother. God is the one that's desiring reconciliation and bringing his own back to him, the father. And the only way we can be reconciled is by grace through faith in Christ alone and his atonement, his propitiation for our sins once for all. The book of Hebrews stresses this over and over once for all. The atonement that Christ paid for was once and done. It is finished. What Christ did on the cross is finished. And what he did was complete and sufficient for us to be saved and to be reconciled to God. And so I would urge you to, to minister to those that, that, uh, that have not heard the gospel. Remember daily the gospel in your own life from what you've been saved. And thank God for that. And, and don't look at the, at the gospel as uh, building blocks or as elementary that you can just move past the gospel. Remember the gospel daily. That's just a call to remember the joy of his salvation in your life. And we all need that. We all as believers need to remember from what we've been saved daily and to rejoice in that because what Christ did was sufficient and thank God that he did that. Um, And so I hope that you found this informative and helpful today and it maybe shed some light on the growing concern uh, of of this particular type of of movement or and and the 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 things that they're promoting and the the gatherings and such and the call to ecumenicism which is one of the factors in the new apostolic reformation there is a call to ecumenicism and to uh, unity for unity's sake and it's a false unity so i look forward to our time again as we tackle another topic i have one lined up for next week and i'm not going to give it away but i think it's going to be a good one anyway i hope you guys have a wonderful week be blessed today by the truth of God's word. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email me at dawnatlovesubscribe.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll consider leaving a five-star review and that you'll even share it with others who may benefit from the information provided. If you also like reading, you can subscribe to my blog at lovesubscribe.com where I release weekly blogs that correlate with the podcast episodes. I've enjoyed our time together today, and I look forward to our next time together as we dive into biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.
So now that we've talked a little bit about Pedro Adeo 